everybody, it's Travis here with the NPCs, and welcome to another NPCs Weekly News Roundup. It is October 1st, 2022. Welcome to Spooky Month. Of course, with everything spooky, of course, is all the news going on. We're going to be starting, of course, with the demise of Stadia. That's right, Google has announced that Stadia is being shut down at the beginning of 2023. What does that mean for people who have bought into the platform? We'll also be talking about Cyberpunk 2077 getting back up on the top of the charts thanks to its Netflix debut. And, of course, we'll also be talking about the Rockstar and Uber hacker having been arrested and charged with the crime of hacking. That and more on today's Weekly News Roundup. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course, everything is all kinds of crazy. So this thing is a chocker. I mean, yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. Doing a um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff that they were successful with Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup, and it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? All right, we're here, we're live, we're up, we're on the air. Welcome again, everybody. It is October 1st, 2022. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us for the Weekly News Roundup. My name is Travis, and of course, over there, that guy, that's Kyle, as always. Kyle, what's up, man? What's up? Well, what's up? Not, a, is, not over here. <laughs> not over there, at least, yeah. A lot going on over here, getting ready for a trip out first thing tomorrow morning, and geez, I don't want to be up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go catch that flight, so... Hooray for that. No, not well. Although I will say I did go pick up a new uh, video out adapter for my iPad mini and made sure that it all worked. So I tested it with Forza Horizon 5, Halo Master Chief Collection, and Metal Hellsinger. And it worked, except Metal Hellsinger, because of that delay, it's not worth trying to uh use that on there it's it definitely for a rhythm game it's not worth it yeah i would i would assume that that any sort of lag in that game would make it impossible to play it so it, yeah exactly probably a so, no-go yeah exactly so it wasn't worth it to to keep playing that one but hey i got a few games at least i can access no problem there so heck yeah yeah but of course i'm going to be accessing that through xbox's cloud streaming because Google has announced that they are shutting down Stadia. I figured that was a great segue. Um, (laughs) It's a sad sad and unfortunate thing, but the writing has been on the wall for some time. Earlier this week, it was announced that Google, actually it was only two days ago, geez, that Google has confirmed that they will be shutting down Stadia at the beginning of next year. What that includes is that all hardware having been purchased through uh, – all Stadia hardware that's been purchased through the Google Store and all game and add-on content uh, purchased through the Stadia Store uh, will be refunded to customers. So that means, Kyle, for you, because you have one of the Stadia controllers and such, you may actually be able to get yourself a refund on it even though you haven't used the service. You know, though, I'm kind of in that. Uh, audience of people that that's actually hoping that Google will actually unlock the controllers for mm-hmm. for just standard Bluetooth uh, usage, so y- you can use it for you know Xbox or PlayStation or you know Switch or if I wanted to use it on my Steam games, I could because re- really and truly the uh, Stadia controller was a, a pretty comfortable controller. I mean, standard Xbox style controller with the uh, the PlayStation stick placement. However, it, it just had a really comfortable feel to it. Just the ergonomics of it, you know, slight differences in, in the way they mold the plastic, but it, it, it mattered, you know? Oh no, it did. It didn't. I think that was one of the highlights that that controller had anyway, was just that the ergonomics were great on it. it. They, a lot of people felt that the layout was really good because it did fall in line somewhat with, uh, the Nintendo switch pro controller. Um, you know, it didn't follow the Xbox mantra of the analog stick in the top left and then the or the left analog stick in the top left and then the right analog stick in the bottom right. But it, I definitely am. I'm right there with you. And I know you and I have talked about that a lot since the announcement yeah. that I do hope they open source all of that. So that way it can be used and you can remap buttons. You can do all that customization to it. You can use it for more than um, what it was destined for being Stadia. And it doesn't end up in a landfill. 
it's just I think it's well, too good of a Bluetooth controller to pass up. You know, and ironically, on a lot of devices, you have to use Google Play in order to download Microsoft streaming service anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of handy to just have this extra controller that, you know, I could use for streaming on a different service, ironically enough. Yeah, very true. Um, so the way that this wind down is going to work is they've already since shut down purchases in the Stadia store which means you can't buy any new hardware, you can't buy any software, what's there is there, what you have is what you have. And what they will do is, besides the refunds of all the hardware and software and stuff, uh, people who have that content are going to be able to continue to access it and play it through uh, January 18th of next year. So you have at least a couple months to still use that content. But I think what I find more interesting on this is more of the lack of communication from Google on this to the developers uh and that not only includes indie developers and one in particular who was getting ready to launch a game like they were two days away from launching a game on stadia and had yeah. no word about what was happening and totally then, blindsided exactly and then your triple a developers though too so you're talking ubisoft bungie um uh, io interactive the makers of hitman all of those guys mm -hmm. were blindsided by every single thing there that was announced and i guess it came out even more so that uh, that Bungie had actually developed special tools that utilize Stadia. So that way, when they were in the midst of work from home during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, they actually were able to build out some crazy cool development tools that allowed their teams to still access builds and play test things over Stadia. Now they have to figure out how to yeah. take that, that, work that they've done and migrate it to something else or come up with a different solution. Maybe Google will still offer some type of backend support for them in some way, shape or form, but yeah, they, Google really, or maybe it goes messaging. with Bungie and then all of a sudden that bolsters PlayStation's cloud service. It's very possible, but they really botched the messaging though. Google really dropped yeah. the ball on this hard because yeah, they did. Yeah, no, there were a lot of developers that actually found out via um, Stadia's Twitter. Um, and they, they'd been told just happenstance that, oh, Stadia's closing today. And sure enough, when they looked it up, they found it on Twitter of all places. Yeah, it's, yeah, this was pretty devastating. I think for at least, you know, the, the developers and such anyway, though, too, especially the indie devs who may have started to figure out like what the capabilities or at least possibilities were. Um, right now, though, at least in regards to those players who have um, put their time and effort into games on Stadia, especially those that are live service games, a good example, again, going back to like Bungie is Destiny 2, those developers are working out right now how to exactly to get those uh, stats and profiles off of stadia and allow those to be transferred to another platform of the player's choice so that way that content mm -hmm. can still carry over whether they create some type of linking through their own like account system of some type just like in battle.net you can register connections to different uh things like you know you can register to like twitch you can add on i think steam as well though too you know you can link up all these different things hopefully they'll be able to go back around and do that so that way progress can at least carry over where something is going to continue to be supported well and i i hope it it's not just and destiny in specific is is a major one because i know there's a huge player base of destiny players that's actually one of the the biggest games on stadia um continuously since it launched was was destiny you know and uh, not only for their sakes, but like for the people that, that purchased Cyberpunk that invested a lot of time into it because really and truly at the, the launch of Cyberpunk, it was the best way to play unless, you know, you had a beefy, beefy computer. But even then, oftentimes it was still a better experience if you had uh, a good enough internet connection to play Stadia. Absolutely. That's one of those oh. kind of like interesting shining examples. And it's it's not to say like what, stadia did was wrong but one of the things i kind of recognize at least about stadia is that it drove forward more of the idea of cloud gaming at least like there were still initiatives mm -hmm. and efforts that were going on to introduce some of the cloud gaming technologies anyway like 
um, especially with uh, Project X Cloud from the Xbox team. Um, PlayStation had their um, PlayStation Now as well um, that you could do through like a mobile device, although it wasn't necessarily right. marketed heavily. Um, you know, we still had some other cloud things that were out there, but this was the first foray into it to really kind of put that front and center uh, as like the solution to gamers who maybe can't get their hands on something. And it proved to be an interesting use case, especially now where uh, for like PlayStation 5 uh, fans that they can't get their hands on a PlayStation 5 because of the way stock is handled. And it's like, well, how do you how are you going to be able to play those games? Well, go be at a beefier PC or you just end up waiting for something like that. At least AAA right. titles were able to come out this way. Granted, not necessarily PlayStation exclusives, but it kind of helped to at least open up some of that uh, or at least create some of that bridge that we hadn't seen yet and start to kind of put that idea forward. And now we've seen what PlayStation's done with revamping the PlayStation Plus platform and how they're in integrating PlayStation Now. Uh, Microsoft, of course, with the way they've integrated everything, uh, cloud streaming into Game Pass. Uh, GeForce Now has really picked up on things too. Uh, Steam is kind of starting to get into some parts of that i mean i know that they've got steam link which is really for more like the home but i believe i had read somewhere that they're working towards their own offering of some type though that maybe will go in hand like hand in hand with the steam deck uh nintendo of course is putting games in the cloud though too especially those triple a titles that can't run on the switch uh you know it's it's not to say that like the failure itself over here should be overlooked with everything shutting down but at, and the way that communication was handled but really look at where some of those net positives came out of like what Google tried to do. Well, and the, the service itself isn't like technically going to disappear. It is getting absorbed into other uh, platforms that Google is offering currently or is, you know, creating partnerships uh, for uh, the, the sad part of it is, is still at, at the um, announcement of the, the closure of Stadia, is they still had the best latency and the best gameplay experience of all the cloud gaming services. So I really hope that, you know, Microsoft, PlayStation, Nintendo, basically everyone, especially, you know, uh, Logitech with their, their new platform coming out can hopefully take a, take a page out of, you know, Google's book and learn and develop from, you know, what, what hardware they were using and, you know, what kind of, uh, software they were developing to make the the platform run so smoothly. Yeah, the, I I'm 100% right there behind you on that. And I guess as it stands right now, we just have to see what else happens because now that this is gone, or at least is is on its way out now. What about like Amazon service, for example, Amazon Luna is effectively yeah. the same thing as what Stadia was for Google. Um, I wonder what that means for it. Like, I mean, it's it maybe isn't such of like a cost center in regards to like, you know, burning money or anything like that compared to like maybe what Stadia was like. But that's another one to keep an eye on, at least as a potential chopping block one for Amazon here in the near future, given, you know, yeah. maybe with what happened here. But I mean, Amazon here of late has become as guilty as uh, Google of, lighting bonfires of money on fire <laughs> as far oh, as you geez. know failed projects or projects that they launch and decide to just discontinue support for so yeah that's that's also very true too so yeah i guess it is something to keep an eye on for the time being just to see what happens there but if you are a owner of stadia hardware go and look for the information on google's stadia website there to find out exactly what you need to do to claim your refund on your hardware and your software but that they're of course, looking to have all refunds done by january i want to say so so. so around the same time they shut everything down so okay so you yep, got a little yep. bit of time but the sooner the better uh but we carry on of course here to uh the next part of the news with sega sega has announced that they have a blockchain title in development and it's being worked on by japanese blockchain company double jump tokyo so they will be working on a game based on the Sango, Sango Kushi Tyson series. I, I may be pronouncing that wrong. Um, I don't speak Japanese natively or anything, so I just do my best with what I see. 
Um, apparently, this game series uses uh, it's a real time strategy game series, predominantly predominantly played in arcades in Japan that uses real physical cards to play with. So, if you imagine, um, I guess imagine any type of card game that you'd play, these cards must have some type of like um, NFC communication in them or maybe use a camera above to actually see what the cards are and then that's what you interact with i know i've seen like um like there was this injustice arcade over at the mall um that actually would uh dispense cards that you i believe would use when you actually play on that arcade whoa and so like yeah and I mean, it's not like that different for us to see cards. You like, there were some racing games that I think we also had at our old arcade that you could get like a that's right, like a tracking yeah, card yeah. or whatever. But initial D, yes, exactly, yes. There was that yeah. one. I think there was a different. There was another one though too. Besides that, but anyway, this one is actually using more of like the cards to um, actually do RTS based stuff, and so it looks like that's what they want to focus on doing because NFTs, at least, you know, are basically digital assets that are considered yours in the capacity of you know some besides somebody going in screenshotting it and then saving it yourself it, it's kind of one of those ways to look at and uh adapting and embracing nfts at least for those who want to take on the blockchain technology into their games but again i'm i feel like we it's always been just you know us beating a dead horse here with our discussion on nfts anyway and trying to incorporate blockchain technology. I mean, Kyle, you're a Sega fan. Like, what do you think about this? Do you think that this is, like, this series must be popular enough for them to consider doing something like this? Or do you think it's just, uh, I don't it, know. It, the Sengoku Shi Tyson uh, is a very popular series, from what I understand, in Japan. Um, it's not something that I don't, that I that I ever recall coming to the States and if so, it's had a very small uh, launch that probably wasn't super well received because it just it it, it is a a card game. Um, this really really grinds my gears as far as uh, Sega goes. I mean, I I uh, the one rumor that I've been hearing is that this might be one of the first steps to the super game, which also makes me cringe a little bit, you know, because it's supposed to supposedly go hand in hand in some way further down the line with the, the Sonic open world game. So I, I just, I really, really don't like the NFTs. I don't think they have any place in gaming. We we've talked numerous times about this. Um, I think we have how many, uh, actual, uh like just conversations that that are um that that we put out about nfts and gaming and the, it it's just not the time and you know i i've said it's not the place and maybe you know potentially down the line it is the place but it's not right now and it's not for children and it you know they're they're trying to open it up to the world when you know the world isn't even ready for for crypto yet and crypto is basically just crashed on us recently so yeah especially it's i don't know where people really sit with a lot of this stuff anyway especially when it comes to it i mean it's 50 50 in what i see for like blockchain technology you know it's like it has its its value and it has its purpose for things but at the same time it also it's ripe for exploitation, especially as it relates to NFTs and it involving mm -hmm. some type of cryptocurrency. I mean, we've seen people who have gone and spent millions of dollars on an NFT, and because yeah. the crypto behind it crashed, they're out a lot of money. And you see a lot of stuff reported on online about people who spend so much money onto these things that they end up taking, like, second mortgages out to go and purchase this th these things because it's like, oh, there's all this hype behind it and it's going to keep growing and growing that's what all these people are saying and it ends up being just uh, effectively a pyramid scheme in some capacity you know at least for some people but well and you you know on the other hand too what what if you spend lots of money on an nft and the host of the nft gets hacked so it's out of technically out of your control entirely and someone else takes control of your nft that's exactly it, though, too, because... The, then you're out of it. 
right that, that happened to to what was it seth green yeah yeah that his wallet was hacked they took his they transferred his nft out of there and now he can't make that show that he was going to make based on it which uh i think he ended up actually bag. paying the ransom to get it back May, I, maybe he did. I don't actually know. Yeah. I didn't follow up on that. I just knew that it so, happened. I just laughed. I, I mean, but it's silly things like that. You know, your wallet being able to be hacked or the host server being able to be hacked and all of a sudden your NFT is gone or the host server just being, you know, disappearing. Then your, your NFT is gone entirely. I mean, it it's tracked on the blockchain. But what happened at the original? It's gone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So how they're actually going to handle anything like this is going to be a rather curious one, whether they're still going to be using physical cards and those somehow translate to an actual NFT of some type, like in, in the digital space in the blockchain space, um, you know, it's, it's still to be seen what they're going to do, but because of the effort there on it being a card game of some type, or at least some sort of RTS, which I did have a video going there in the background of um, the, uh, the arcade version going there where they are yeah. interacting with those cards on a table and they are being at least read in some form. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where that actually does play out and how that does play out. It, it almost to me seems like it, it's a, a, a cross at that point. If they continue it as like a uh, actual media, like physical media based uh, with an NFT, um, almost like a toys to life thing. Uh, similar to like Amiibos or, you know, even dating dating back to, you know, Skylanders and stuff. That, no, that's that's actually a very good thought on that one. I hadn't actually yeah. kind of considered anything like that. And, you know, maybe that's a, a, a great way to actually ease the public into uh, being able to conceptualize NFTs. Uh, but I, I think that's probably the weakest concept to do so. Yeah, and now that you even say it, like thinking on Amiibos, isn't it when you purchase one that you actually have to register it to yourself anyway, though? Like once you actually scan it in, you actually register it to yourself, and then when someone goes and scans it, like say like my kids are playing on another Switch, and they take one of my Amiibos, they go and scan it, and they go, it's like, you know, it, it actually has something registered with it that says this is so-and-so's Amiibo, right? Like, yeah, sure but you can reset them and stuff. Right, but that still kind of almost falls in that same vein where it's like mm -hmm. it's that's another way that it's introduced in that some people have already been doing that anyway in some capacity just without that layer of protection to actually um, prevent a reset from happening. You know, it, it's just an idea at least that is already there and being presented. But I don't want to even think about Nintendo doing NFTs right now. That's that's way out there. I'm yeah. good on that. Thank you. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Even so, there's no release date on when this uh, game is going to come out. It's most likely, like for anything, going to be focused on the Japanese market, especially because this card game doesn't exist in the United States. But be on the lookout for more details from it as we continue on. Uh, you know, through all these blockchain NFT chaotic messes that game companies like to announce, they can keep it. <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> in the meantime let's move on to some of the more surprising news out of all of the gaming news this week though too and that is cyberpunk 2077's in the news but for good news and that is that it's back on top after surpassing the 20 million copies sold uh mark earlier this week uh so cyberpunk originally hit the 18 million copies sold back in april and of course this game released at the end of 2020 to much fanfare and then was it 2020 or end of 2019 it was the end of 2020, I think, because it was I after think it was the 2020, yeah. Yeah. I, I got to mix on updates already now, too. Um, but, um, you know, it, it had released back then. And now, of course, April of this year, they had announced they sold 18 million copies total. But they have added on an additional 2 million since then, which means that obviously something has gone right. And what it looks like is going on, of course, is the success of the Cyberpunk Netflix show, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. And, of course, the announcement of the DLC, Phantom Liberty. Uh, Kyle, I mean, we've seen we've seen resurrections and revivals of games that kind of mm -hmm. really irked everybody. I mean, a good example is No Man's Sky and a lot of the promise that that yeah. game had. And when it came out, what a disaster it was. I mean, obviously, it was playable, but it didn't deliver on all the content versus Cyberpunk, which delivered a whole mess of content that made the game unplayable. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, uh, like, what do you think about that, though, that Cyberpunk could really come back up on the list? I know that's kind of part of our quest marker stuff here. We can make mention maybe of a little bit of that before we get in. But um, what do you think about that, though, that Cyberpunk's made its way back up the chain? You know, I'm 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 kind of glad it, it, they may do on their original promise of what they in, had intended to release, regardless of the fact that they, you know, they shouldn't have released it on on the Xbox One and the the PS4. That that's just that. Um, yeah, that's a big one. It, it just runs really rough on those systems. I mean, it runs okay on the uh, One X, but and and the PS4 Pro, but they should have never made it compatible for anything lower than those consoles and they know it but it's good that they you know fixed it before the show came out and they you know they have announced actual uh full-length dlc that that'll be coming out and you know maybe this will be the the dark horse this this could be you know what what causes cyberpunk to to be the next witcher you know they're they're gonna do the whole blood and wine expansion all over again, you know. Give us a, an entire new game, almost. Maybe not, but I mean, the the city's pretty vast, and it's supposed to add a whole new section. I think it's really exciting, and I'm I'm really happy for CD Projekt Red that you know they they've you know gained this support. Yeah, I'm right there with you too, and I need to go back and reinstall it and and give it another hard go to here just with any other updates that i've missed just to really kind of push it out there and you may want to try it actually on your steam deck and see how you fare with it though i've thought about it yeah, yeah i've thought about um, it but they also did share at least one of their larger metrics though is that earlier uh this month um that over 1 million players actually played the game uh every day uh actually just this last week and then they hit their highest and this is from ign as well too is they also uh said that cyberpunk 27 2077 also hit its highest concurrent player count on steam in over a year and a half earlier this month which means that since it launched it hasn't really hit anything crazy high but it's running up there i mean like i wonder what steamdb.info says let's see what is cyberpunk on the list at right now uh cyberpunk currently has uh eighty nine thousand three hundred ninety one players uh, wow. Right now, with a peak in the last 24 hours of 113,383. That's pretty cool, you know, to say that's the least. a lot of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's pretty awesome there, especially that, you know, that there have definitely been more players at least adding on. And that's only just Steam. I mean, obviously, some of these metrics are probably coming out from... Uh, from the other platforms, though, too, that obviously they're able to collect and, and provide more info on anyway. But that is some good news, though, to at least see that some life has come back to Cyberpunk. And I will have to check out this Edge Runner series because, from what I understand, this takes place years before the events of Cyberpunk 2077. And there are there's work being done by modders right now to actually bring that content in to Cyberpunk 2077. So things that were in the the anime will make their way into at least cyberpunk 2077 for people who want to experience that side by side that'd be cool that is pretty neat so if you haven't had a chance to go and play cyberpunk 2077 um let's see what's it going for right now on steam it is presently listed for let's see where Probably full price uh yeah current price right now in the united yeah, states 59.99 yep 59.99 the lowest recorded price it ever got down to was 29.99 so that may have been a uh that may have been just uh yeah it looks like they were winter sales and summer sale this last summer actually just this summer alone and it was only just recently on sale, down 50% off uh, a couple weeks ago. Monday, The week of Monday, September 12th, it was last 50% off, which means that maybe it'll be back on sale again here very soon for people who didn't grab it. Yeah. So keep your eye out for that one, folks. But let's carry on here to the next story we've got on the list, and that is about Overwatch 2. So obviously we are in the midst of the review sessions for Overwatch 2 because this game launches on October 4th. We are only three days away from the launch of this game. 
I've already got it preloaded on PC, but I won't be able to play it until uh, I get back into town. All right. Um, uh, but even with that, I'm not waiting um, for you. I know you're not. I'm no, I know it's, <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. I understand. Needless to say, where things sit right now, of course, in a lot of the pre-review stuff that has been coming out is that it definitely is very grindy, though, to get through stuff. More specifically, all of the characters that we've come to know and love in Overwatch 1 are not going to be available for you to start playing with in Overwatch 2 right off the bat. You will need to play 100 matches. 100 matches if you are a new Overwatch player. 100 matches to unlock all of the original characters from the original Overwatch game. 100 matches, Kyle. I mean, that's... That theoretically could be, I mean, Does it, for a dedicated player, that could be a week's worth of play, really. Eh, it could be. I mean, it it also depends on, you know, how the matches play out. I It does kind of make me question what, what base characters they're going to give you. Because they're going to have to give you at least, you know, probably one or two of each class. So, eh, I, I don't know. I I imagine soldier, of course, but you know where beyond that, who knows? Um, yeah, that that sucks. I I I have a feeling that that's gonna have uh, it's gonna kill a lot of new players. Yeah, it very well could. It's going to vary, of course, though, or, too, because I. On the other hand, I've heard it is also a pay-heavy game, if you want it to be. So there is the potential that you know new players could possibly just unlock everything by paying that's true that's true um that really comes back though to the question is why they just decided like why they didn't just go the route of just releasing a full version of the game like yeah i know that there's the the what is it the watch point edition that you i mm -hmm. think picked up and that itself... i have not actually no, i've thought, thought about it did. okay no i've been thinking about it uh just because I know it gives you the first season, and I, I think it gives you enough credits for actually two additional seasons, potentially. But mm -hmm. it, still, it, it's tough to spend that, that money because I, I know I'm buying in into a free-to-play game. Yeah, and I guess if you look at it on the opposite side, though, for new players, at least new players versus experienced players, because I know that like I, I'm, I'm not the best Overwatch player. But I do feel like I have some pretty good luck with playing at least a couple certain characters, especially like Lucio, for example. And right. this note here on this IGN article actually makes a good point. And I'll read this off to you so you can hear about this. It's um, This actually comes from the Overwatch subreddit. And it says, it's about as close to a practical tutorial mode I think devs can get in an FPS. I'm certainly not complaining. If this includes matching new players in separate server instances with other new players, all the better. It will definitely keep new players from getting immediately roasted by better players and by match chat, which will probably create a higher retention rate of new players, which is what Blizzard is going to want uh, to be wanting to bolster with a uh, with it being a free to play model. So by taking the slow approach to bringing in new players and not effectively throwing them to the wolves for all of the people who have been playing Overwatch since 2016, it's one of those ways to not burn them out as fast i mean th this is the same concept at least that i've read that league of legends also takes too that some things are locked down because they don't want to expose all of the new players to just to everything and get themselves all mixed up they would much rather mm -hmm. take a more gradual approach to get you to the right spot so this isn't necessarily the worst thing but at the same time you know i'm still on that other side though too that it's like well you're kind of locking down. It's like people are starting to really figure out what characters they like. And now it's like, it may take them 55 matches maybe to get to that character. It's, you know, sometimes it just feels like a bit of a slog. Yeah. Yeah. But needless to say, I think for a lot of the people who are going to play overwatch Two, at least initially, it's going to be your, your OG overwatch players. I think that's really, we're going to see most of that. And then you're going to start to see, the rise in new players. Like I'm, I'm hoping Kyle, I'm hoping that uh, blizzard actually comes back and gives us metrics to show. Here's all the people we know of as returning players. Here are all the people we know of as new players. Here's our, where our metrics stand, you know, and uh, it would be nice to see that over the course of the next several months to see how things actually fare. 
for like the number of yeah. players over time. But then there's also the terrifying metric of, you know, three months down the line, who out of, you know, what category is still playing. So true. Very true. Uh, anyway, of course, though, with Overwatch 2 stuff, um, you know, it's an interesting way to be able to to get that to be available, like at least character wise. But I kind of get it at the same time, though. I mean, we were used to it from the original Overwatch release that it's like everybody was there. And we could just start working with everybody as soon as possible. We will be able to now, at least. You know, that's not a problem. But you know, what a what a pain in the butt sometimes. But even so, let's carry on here to our last main story of today's news roundup, and that is about the Rockstar Uber hacker has been arrested and charged on uh, with uh, all different levels of hacking and such into these different companies. So. Man, this is this was a big read, especially as going through because I remember seeing this stuff happening as it was like as things were being released. But oh yeah, uh, the uh, the person that they arrested is a 17 year old from Oxfordshire uh, in London uh, or Oxfordshire, UK, and they arrested him because uh, it was a 17 year old. So there's no name, no other information out there, um, other than uh, they've been arrested and they have been charged with all different levels of hacking. Uh, for these two companies however it also sounds like that this ch- one of the charges that this uh kid got was also a um uh uh what was it basically violating the conditions of their probation or their bail or what have you because this same 17 year old is also the one that hacked microsoft and okta earlier this year too um which by far is one of the more like eye-rolling things that these guys got hit by the same kid um what it comes down to is that for anybody who may not be aware and if you're not aware geez i just where have you been but several weeks ago uh grand theft auto 6 details started coming out we started to see videos of developer builds making their way out showing us things for gta 6 that we didn't actually expect to ever see uh things such as um actual like development screens that they would see when they're trying to play a game. We actually saw uh, characters that we haven't even heard about yet from Rockstar. We've actually seen part of a mission play out. We've seen how weapon loadouts work. We've seen how uh, interactions with the police work though, too, you know, a bunch of different things that we didn't even get it like expect to actually view. And at the same time, get the confirmation that this is taking us back to vice city. Now with that out of the way, of course, the kid who hacked all this stuff was working to, you know, take the information they had, make more dumps and make a whole bunch of money. But, of course, it was not able to do so and got busted again. Uh, part of the hacker group known as Lapsus or Laspis. I think I've always said Lapsus for some reason, but Laspis. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's been charged and it's just it's a 17 year old hack, though. Like. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And, and do you want to know what a lot of it is? Okay, so I, I'm, I'm a security guy here now. So this is this is me flexing my muscle now a little bit, Kyle. I hate mm-hmm. to do that, but it's. Do you know how he did it? Do you know how he actually broke okay. that? He so for the Uber hack, and I assume mm-hmm. it's the same way with with Rockstar. He literally got access, or he got the credentials for a uber developers user account and mm-hmm. was saying that he was with uber it and constantly spamming them with two-factor authentication messages to the point that the guy just gave up or the person gave up and gave them his two-factor authentication code which let him into uber's back-end systems and start to just go and mess around with everything that he was messing around with there the assumption is that it was the exact same way that he got into rockstar as well Oh, wow. So two-factor authentication being those codes you get that when you go to sign into some services where they text you a code or you use something like Google Authenticator and it's got codes that list in there, um, very likely one of those that was just pulled and provided out to allow this person to gain access where then they were able to get in, they were able to poke around and find everything that they were, and sure enough, that's where we got to the point with this. Uh Uh-huh. 
So, Kyle, that's insane. If you see your phone going absolutely crazy for two factor authentication messages just out of the blue, whatever, someone's trying to get into your account. And if they try to message you because they probably have some other information on you and they message you saying there was support for some type and they want your code, don't give it to them. Right. The TLD, <laughs> the TLDR. It's like you wouldn't give somebody your pin to your debit card or, or your, the last four of your social security number unless you knew who you were working with. It's like, don't do that right. with your multi-factor authentication codes too, okay? Okay? All right. Now that that's out of the way, Kyle, what do you think about the fact, though, that this kid is the one responsible for hacking Microsoft, got busted, went out on bail, and then now back around on it again? I mean... The kids either got got some big balls or he's just incredibly incredibly stupid. And like not obviously not not stupid in the sense that he he's incredibly intelligent that he was able to hack these systems, but how dumb do you have to be to go out and do something so blatant again and and so so criminal and and so I I don't know so big i i i I, that's like trying to pull a like oceans 11 and failing and then trying to do it all over again and failing again i like the comparison to oceans 11 i don't know why i just do but yeah um yeah yeah, he thinks he's i I don't know how to i don't know how to compare it to anything you know it's like you know let let we failed once let's do it again but let's just fail it again anyway it doesn't matter yeah Oh, absolutely. And it's just funny just to see that it's like, I mean, like, it goes to show more of like, you know, it's like a lot of people think hacking, oh, you're looking for ways to to log in and connect in through all these other different means, you know, like you're going to hack a website and use that to get around and get in. When it really mm-hmm. comes down to the human factor on everything, it comes down to like the weakest link in the chain, and it ends up usually being a person, you know, like... Yeah, it, it that ends up becoming it, and the kid exploited it. The kid used his just he just kept on being persistent enough to actually make it happen, and so good for him to figure that out. But at the same time, yeah, it's like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It's like they should have really like as part of his bail, they should have really locked him down on everything else. But yeah, he should that... not have had you know that much access especially you know being that young to to a computer again and then you know beyond that he should have been monitored monitored you know for for years of of any computer access he had because of the uh security breaches he had caused yeah exactly he should it should have been that way but i don't know what happened maybe maybe there was still a requirement for computer access or something i heard something there too is that he actually used his phone to get in and grab the details from Rockstar. Yeah, that that that's just insane. And it, it's funny because it, it does tie into our, one of our quest markers. Actually, uh, the the whole two factor authentication by text message. It's just ironic that you know this is how he did it, and you know I think it's going to cause a stir. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Well, so, well the whole yeah. thing I'm going to ask you this, though, is that I know it's part of the quest marker stuff anyway, but didn't Blizzard actually have physical two-factor authentication devices that you had to get at one point in time, like for World of Warcraft? At one time, they did, yeah. And actually, at one time, you could buy, like, uh, remind me of what it's called, the the physical uh, version of a two-factor. I think that it generates... It generates a key physically, um, but it, it's like a whole separate device. Let's see. Uh, all I knew is that it was also just called the authenticator. I just want to actually yeah, but, see if I can find it. Um, like there's there's actually a physical term for it in IT uh, that it's basically a physically a physical key that generates uh, that it'd be kind of like a. A smart the, card. You could just call uh, it a random number generator, and it's just yeah. tied in with your account. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the same. But way yeah, that, it it's yeah. the same thing, and it, you could order one from like Blizzard, if I'm not mistaken, that um would just do do the same thing, and you just hit a button and it would pop up a number for you. Yeah, like I've got the um. Oh great, thanks for that. With with oh, man, I can't I can't move the picture up any higher here just because the way I have the screen formatted, but. but... Yeah, I, know people they, can I see mean, it right here in the center. 
but they, yeah. they were kind of ahead of it in in that sense and now the fact that you know they want it to be you know based on a cell phone number rather than an actual authenticator program via microsoft um or google is just the most bizarre thing in the world to me yeah like i would much rather use google authenticator or another platform that i already have on my phone instead of using something like sms text because that as we've already seen now and especially hear about more of these hacks though too where people are able to um, basically duplicate your sim card and put that into a phone and receive messages on your behalf basically mm -hmm. it kind of does become a problem and even like serpent knight here makes mention in chat i got a bogus email recently claiming my amazon account had been dis uh discontinued but it wasn't from amazon at all i knew it stunk because it was asking for my social security number and that's definitely one of the far like th that's one of like the more deeper ones but at the same time that's more of one of the really like awkward ones because you don't generally see many directly just blatantly asking for a social security number. Usually they ask for some other type of code or information, but it's not an actual like, or it's not uh, too far fetched to see something like that happening in the, in the world. But man, yeah, I, I wish that they would go back to the physical thing too, or use a different one, you know, separate yourself. So that way you're not relying on it on just your part. Right. But yeah, anyway, that is it, though, for the regular news, um, at least when it comes to all of it. The hacking thing, man, just I can't wait to hear more out of that with Rockstar and Uber and stuff, though. But we move on to quest markers with Mr. Kyle, too. And Kyle's got some fun things to talk about with all of that jazz. Kyle, you ready for this one? Uh, I think so. Uh, the first one's kind of news to me. So here we go. Um... So, first quest marker for today, uh, Valve announces dates for the next Steam sales. Um, and actually, uh, the, the, uh, the Steam Autumn sale will take place from November 22nd to the 29th, uh, with the winter sale uh, being held from December 22nd to January 5th. I lied, I did know about this. And then the spring sale uh, is from March 16th to the 23rd. Uh, the addition of the spring sale was popular, of course, uh, in the more recent years, so Valve has actually decided to continue it, uh, with it being that originally they, um, actually did only a summer and a winter sale, so kind of cool that they're gonna continue on with the, uh, trend of doing autumn and spring. Yay, more money to spend! Yay! <laughs> Games on sale year-round. <laughs> and in the next bit from Valve, uh, Valve has actually revealed the top 10 played games of September on the Steam Deck, uh, leaving Vampire Survivor at the number one spot yet again. This after the uh, 1.0 uh, version full release. Um, and it actually, it jumped in price from... $2.99 to $4.99. Um, and actually still beating out the Juggernaut uh, Elden Ring, uh, followed by Stardew Valley coming at, in at 3, Cyberpunk, then Hades, No Man's Sky, then Elder Scrolls Skyrim Special Edition, uh, Spider-Man Remastered uh, coming in at 7, Cult of the Lamb, or uh, actually at 8, excuse me, Cult of the Lamb, and then Disney's Dreamlight Valley coming in at the 10 spot. So, kind of cool to, to see what's dominating the uh, Steam Deck currently. And in the last bit of uh, quest markers, uh, the one that I was actually talking about in our last bit of news uh, is Overwatch 2 will require a phone number in order to play. Um, and this does not include um, just like random Google generated numbers that you can uh, use. Uh, that article I just opened up. Dang it. Um, You're losing everything. No. Yeah, I lost it. There it is. Um, so basically, what it ties down to is Google, or they, Blizzard wants to have a, I want to say it was, what they call it SMS. Um, they call it SMS Protect. 
SMS Protect, uh, which is basically they're tying your cell phone to your account. And this is the reason it can't be just a Google uh, number because you can generate those randomly. It has to be a finite number that you've had for a substantial amount of time that has to be paid for. It can't be a paid for monthly number either. Um, Not only that, it is also for your account protection for account hacking. So any of your account um, information will be tied to your phone number, um, which unfortunately does mean that crummy SMS text message um verification code potentially uh but with the the current hack being as such uh from uh rockstar we have yet to see if that'll actually change or affect how the phone number will affect the usage of overwatch 2 but with that that is all of the uh quest markers for today all right well with that being it for the quest markers, that is it for the weekly news roundup for October 1st, 2022. And as always, of course, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's news roundup. If you missed out on any of the news, don't fret. You can always check it out here on the VOD as soon as it gets published here on YouTube. And, of course, you can always check it out on our podcast platform, too. That podcast platform we are supported on is anchor.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. If you don't want to use Anchor, you can always go and check out where we're at on different podcast platforms out there. That includes Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a bunch of others. Go visit our homepage, though, at anchor.fm slash the-npcs-podcast to find out which ones we are on. Of course, follow us here on YouTube, so that way, anytime we do go live, publish any content, you can catch that as soon as it becomes available. And, of course, follow us on social media. With that, of course, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to this week's episode. We will catch you all next week. Laters.